Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, the world's most trusted conspiracy theory podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Haidar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. And I'm Olivia Haidar. And that, I believe, makes us your hosts. I'm pretty sure. I think that's right. Olivia, how's it going? You know, it's going okay, I think, you know. Sure. It's actually been sunny today in LA, which actually has been weirdly rare the last few weeks. I bought a bike to start commuting (laughs) to the office in like late december early january right i have literally been able to ride it like four or five times it's been weird like since i moved back to la basically i would say 80 percent of the time it's been raining oh yeah you've gotten pretty much all rain which i usually like rain in la i think it's fun yeah but not like this oh and people get annoyed when people in la complain about rain because it's so sunny all the time but here's the thing We're built in the goddamn desert. This city is not built for constant rainfall. No, no. This is a natural disaster. What has happened in California over the past few months. It's a nightmare. Driving anywhere is a nightmare. And speaking of disasters, a fun quirk of having recently had my face surgeried. Mm. Whenever it rains now. My teeth hurt. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It was happening a little bit before the surgery, and I kind of thought I was either making it up or it was just a side effect of having a needle embedded in my face. Yeah. But no, since I've had the surgery, it's gotten so much worse. And it's, I looked it up, it's a thing, it has to do with barometric pressure. It's great. Absolutely. No, yeah, like I, I fucked up my knee. A few years ago, tore my PCL, Mm -hmm. and it hurts way more when... I mean, it always hurts, but, like, it hurts way more when it rains. It sucks. Yeah. You know what else sucks? This is going to be such a smooth segue. (laughs) The political situation in Brazil. Yeah, it's almost as bad as L.A. being rainy. Almost. (laughs) Yeah. Not quite as disruptive to my life, which makes it less important. That's true. That's true, of course. But, yeah... There's things going on. This will be our third episode about the attacks on the Brazilian Congress and just the whole political landscape in Brazil. My God, it's just the United States down there. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I feel bad for them because of that. I'm sorry. It's our fault, I'm sure, somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I'm sure we were instrumental in making a lot of this happen. Yeah. But- It's just eerie how perfectly this mirrors what has happened in the United States with Donald Trump, especially. Right. And we should talk a little bit about the two episodes we've already done. Sure. In case people didn't hear them, want to go back and revisit them, hit the show notes. I'll link to both of them. One was a bonus episode about a documentary called The Edge of Democracy. Yeah. Which is a documentary I like a whole lot. Yeah, it's good. It is a fascinating snapshot of people yearning for the return of a military dictatorship. That's the thing that I think kind of gives the Brazilian, you know, news some some of its spice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because that's the thing that's missing from American politics is the fact that there's a moderate portion of the population that grew up under a literal military dictatorship and liked it and want to return to that which is such a weird thing i mean it is and it isn't you know like i mean i guess i didn't live under that military dictatorship yeah and how do i know neither do i and i'm sure because it's how it happens in every system like flawed system that there were people where it was way better like conditions yeah because these systems have to benefit somebody (laughs) the problem is when you look into that part of stuff like this yeah 
it ends up that those systems were probably benefiting rich people. Right. Before. Of course. Exactly. And that's when the United States tends to get involved. Right. Because where there are rich people in Central and South America, right. there are U.S. business interests teaming up with those rich people yeah. to make sure the poor people in that country don't eat. And once they start eating, we get mad. <laughs> and we get involved. I don't know if that's what's happening here. No. Or not, right. honestly. But the Edge of Democracy covers the arrest of Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, yeah. who people mercifully just call Lula yeah. on the world stage. It covers his arrest and the impeachment of his successor, Dilma Rousseff, right. and sort of touches on the rise of Bolsonaro. Yeah, it's kind of like a Star Wars prequel-y kind of yeah. Palpatine's in the background making little moves. Yeah, he like shows up in an end credit yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, he's like Thanos. Darth Maul. <laughs> Time to take care of this myself. <laughs> and we did an episode about that, which was a bonus episode. Mm -hmm. But on the bright side, if you're a subscriber, just go watch The Edge of Democracy. Yeah, You'll you get should. it. Netflix. You'll get the gist of the episode. If yeah. you don't have the money to subscribe, we understand you have to pay Netflix and they need the money way worse than us. <laughs> so after that, we did a free episode mm -hmm. about the storming of the Brazilian Congress, but we didn't quite get to that part. We just talked about the lead up to it. Yeah, this is the thing like we're talking about a country that I think most of our listeners probably aren't super familiar with their normal electoral politics. And so I think it was important to get a little bit of catch up in order to have some context to what is actually going on. Right. And that episode did highlight what I think one of the big differences is between what happened at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th and what ends up happening in Brazil on January 8th mm -hmm. of twenty. 23, so two years later, right. which is the run-up to the attack in Brazil, at least to me, it seems like it was a little more intense. Sure. Whereas in the United States on January 6th, there were calls for a yeah. rally and there were like hints that something was going to happen. If you were tuned into that, and I'm sorry if you were, that right-wing yeah. cesspit of a social circle, then you would have heard about like bubblings. And that was, you know, a few days before January 6th. Yeah. And there was that rally and they were like, come out to the rally. It's going to be right. nuts. In Brazil, people just went and camped out at military bases for like weeks on end. Yeah. Waiting for the military. I would argue expecting the military to step in and do what they wanted done. Right. Like they wanted the military to storm Congress and yeah. storm the presidential palace. Yeah. And when it didn't happen... Then they just went and did it themselves. And you didn't really see that with January 6th. It felt no. a little more spontaneous. No, I mean, yeah, there was obviously police participation and stuff in that, but it was not of the same tenor. Again, this is what comes from a, what I was talking about earlier, history of having a military dictatorship. People are going to have different impulses for these things. Yeah. <laughs> Different uh, expectations yeah. of the military also. Right, exactly. And like, it would have been interesting to see people like camping out in front of like police stations or whatever. And they're on to something by trying to coerce the military sure. into joining their side because a coup doesn't work otherwise. Right. January 6th would have worked if someone called the National Guard and they were like, we're here to fight for Trump. Sure. That would have yeah. really changed the tenor I mean, of that. That would have been day. a very different event. It sure would. <laughs> and same thing here. The military, just like with Trump in the United States, in Brazil, the military and the police love Bolsonaro. Yeah. And so I get why protesters were like, are they going to do it? If we push them hard enough, will they just like go overthrow Lula on mm -hmm. our behalf? And they did not completely no like not all the way no but that's the thing is i think probably what the military or you know even if there was anybody in the military even thinking about wanting a coup or whatever i imagine they're like well we're gonna be able to get bolsonaro in a different way coups are really hard you guys <laughs> yeah it seems like he's Got a good shot at winning the next election in right. Brazil, if nothing else. Exactly. So, yeah, a little patience might be 
advised. Right. They could just end it that way. I think this storming the Congress in Brazil was a bad idea. They shouldn't have done it. You know, that's a bold stance, I but I think I would side with you. <laughs> it probably wasn't the best course no. of action, but neither was storming the Capitol no. on January 6th. I agree. And it's a thing I'm going to say so many times, but there are just so many weird similarities between those two events, yeah. including the part where in both cases, it seemed like they didn't have a plan Right after they got inside. Like the plan from there was to get on Instagram and record <laughs> video saying we just overthrew the government. Yeah. And it's like you didn't come close you are being a public nuisance right now. You right. are not overthrowing the government. Yeah, just thinking about people like charging into Nancy Pelosi's office or whatever. These are not serious people. Right. And like sitting at her desk and putting right. their feet up. It's like, quit showing off. Right. Idiots. And so that all brings us to the events of January 8th. 2023, when a mob of angry Bolsonaro supporters stormed Brazil's Congress, Supreme Court, and the presidential offices, which, let's not give them too much credit, those buildings are all very close together. Yeah, they're all very close together in that weird nether realm uh, yeah. where the Brazilian Congress, where like the, the European colonists like erected this. Yeah. Crazy. And... I mean, in the case of the presidential palace, it seems like the police were just like holding the door open yeah. with a sign that said Lula. And an arrow. <laughs> so getting in that one probably wasn't that hard either. Also, why not do it on January 6th? Show some solidarity. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I don't know. Who knows if that's even on their rate? Does anybody <laughs> outside of the U.S. like know that date offhand? I don't listen to podcasts usually, and this is a reason why. My wife does listen to podcasts. And when I'm in the car with her, like, I'm not that asshole who's like, mm, I do podcasts. I don't want to listen. Yeah. Like, she can listen to whatever she wants. And this host was interviewing voters who had voted in 2022 uh -huh. in the midterm elections. And these were young voters. Yeah. One of his questions was, how did the events of January 6th inform your voting decisions? And her answer was, can you refresh my memory what happened on January 6th? Good. And it's like, God. Good for her. Damn. Good. I mean, yeah, like on the one hand, that's like someone... Being like Green Day. I've never heard of Green Day. <laughs> Holy shit. That's interesting. I guess, but like. But also, no. But is that unusual? I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm too online to know whether it's normal to know that date off the top of my head. I feel like it's it's like a baby 9-11 a little bit in terms of important dates. But, like, but people didn't die. I don't care. No, I know people like, didn't die, but it was a shocking scene. Yes. It's not how protests normally go in this country. And honestly, the fact that more people didn't die yeah. is one of the most shocking things. No, I, I agree with that. It. But yeah, it feels like a date that will live in infamy, you know? Yes. To quote... Is that FDR? <laughs> uh, Dave, which will live in infamy is FDR. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just don't know if anybody outside of the U.S. really has that in their brain. That yeah, I mean, it's it's possible I don't that know. they don't. It's hard for me to know that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that is kind of the only difference, though. There's more buildings involved, and it happened on a different day yeah. in January. But beyond that, all the hallmarks are there. These Idiots burst in these buildings, angry at COVID measures probably still, so not wearing masks. Right. I mean, especially this. Actually, there might have been more masks in this case because COVID was less of a thing by this point as opposed to January 2021 where those rioters were like not wearing masks. Like pointedly. As another form of protest. And Which it's like – you really needed to pick that's, one protest or the other in that moment. I mean, there's so many funny things about that fucking that's, thing. I think that's arguably the funniest. <laughs> still so anti-mask that you don't wear one when you storm the most heavily surveilled building in all the fucking land. Right? <laughs> that is nuts. Well, it does show their implicit trust of authority. Yeah, I suppose. Ugh. So not only is this angry right-wingers attacking over an election that they've decided is stolen, but there were also a whole lot of claims and suggestions that some of the people 
responsible for protecting those buildings were either in on the attacks or at the very least did not do anything to try to stop them. Right. Like the Capitol Hill police. Were any of those cops fired or were they just suspended? I never fucking count on cops getting (laughs) fired for doing something immoral. Yeah. Whenever I hear like, oh, this cop's been suspended for two weeks for flying Nazi flags in his Facebook post. It's like, well, shouldn't we do a little more? (laughs) No, that'll solve it. He won't be a Nazi anymore after his two week (laughs) vacation. Exactly. So this is a quote. These people were motivated by conspiracy theories. They believe the leftists are seizing power. Right. Their argument was that this communist agenda would install LGBTQ rights, unisex bathrooms and abortion. It's not logical. It's just against what they see as a conservative way of thinking, and they wrap it all together mm-hmm. and call it communism, even though that's not what communism is, and nothing close to communism is happening in Brazil. That is Ty Nilan, executive director of fact-checking organization Aos Fatos, basically <laughs> describing January 6th also. Right. Yeah. This is one reason why right-wing groups, and I've mentioned this before, are so – they have so much more – popular consensus within the group than leftists do because right-wingers are the same everywhere. They all hate the same things, and that unites them. True. And leftists, unfortunately, don't have that. Yeah. And in this case, the right-wingers also echoed a claim that right-wingers in the United States made about the Capitol riots. Here's a quote from Carlos Jordi, pro-Bolsonaro lawmaker via Twitter. Will these infiltrated leftists who promoted chaos and vandalism yesterday be held accountable? So what they're saying is, no, this wasn't Bolsonaro supporters. This is just outside agitators who want to make them look bad. And is that claim ever not bullshit? Like, (laughs) no matter who's making it. I mean, on this scale, probably not. But like there are agitators who try to, you know, make protests look bad. It's just usually happening to left wing protests. <laughs> like, oh, you mean like the cop that burned down the auto zone? Right. In Minnesota? Exa- exactly the person I was thinking of. Yeah. In addition yeah. to others. And like, that's a different thing than saying all of those people who like they started it. That's just probably not what happened. There's way too many fucking people there. Yeah, same thing with January 6th. They couldn't all be FBI. Come on. No. Just like... Well, I mean, some of them were. Yeah, like a fourth or something, like an eighth FBI, something like that. And then like another fourth were Capitol Police. NSA, Capitol Police, things like that. Yeah. So another characteristic of these attacks that were very similar to here in the United States, it seems like, at least to some extent, the government knew this was coming. Lula's administration has just straight up said, yeah, we knew this was going to happen and we thought we could contain it. Lula has been like, he's still like, oh, man, I was surprised. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I'd be surprised, too, if (laughs) the government let this happen to its president. Jeez. So at least five days before it happened, Bolsonaro supporters were calling for attacks via Telegram and WhatsApp. This is in all caps, if you can believe it. Attention, patriots from all over Brazil. On January 8th, we will bring Brasilia to a halt. That actually does not sound like we will storm Congress. Sure. Yeah, it sounds more like a general strike, but they're right wing. So it's not that. (laughs) Right. But it does. I feel like if you were the one who posted that, you could at least hide behind the idea that, well, I was just telling people to show up. Maybe it sounds different in Portuguese. Yeah, that also, I don't know if it was in Portuguese or... Oh, yeah. Was it It, in I mean, it probably would have been, right? I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure there's a decent contingent of English speakers in Brazil. They fucking... I mean, no, they're definitely... Yeah, for sure, but I don't know. There was even a hashtag... Oh, yeah. Hashtag Brazilian spring. Nope, 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 no. nope, nope. First of all, it's January. <laughs> <laughs> so, Among other issues. A little early. The Lula administration was aware of the threats, but officials had received assurances from Ibanez Roca, the pro-Bolsonaro governor of Brasilia's federal district, that they could contain what was about to happen. Sure. If you're the Lula administration in that 
case, I have to imagine there was at least some temptation to be like, no, actually, we got it. We'll take care yeah. of, like, ordering the security. Or at least be like, can we, like, double check your work? <laughs> yeah. We just want to make sure. On this whiteboard over here, just show your work. Yeah. Show us how you well, got let's, to that we'll have some. We'll have some people go through your facility and make sure things are okay. <laughs> and here's the thing. They might not have been lying about that. Sure. They probably could have contained (laughs) what was about to happen. Right. But one, like we've already touched on a little bit, there were sympathizers all throughout the police and military presence who, in this case, I know we saw it at the Capitol riot too, but it seems like it was a little more prominent here. There were like pictures of cops like buying coconut water and just like letting shit happen. Lula himself said the police opened the door to the presidential palace because it wasn't broken. Wow. So how did they get in? They certainly, he didn't go unlock it for him. So. Do we know that? Maybe. (laughs) Prove it wasn't you, Lula. And beyond that, it seems like what happened is the governor of this area was like, all right, I'm going to provide a military force of this size. And then on the day of the riots, that military force was like half. If even that, it was apparently significantly smaller than what he said it would be. And he has provided no explanation as to why that was the case. Well, I mean, look, we could make all the guesses we want, but (laughs) I think I might have some ideas. This is a quote from Justice Minister Flavio Dino. The fundamental element of our plan with the governor of Brasilia was not fulfilled. I could see from the window of the Ministry of Justice that the contingent of military police was not what was agreed between us and the governor. End quote. I feel like if you're in the Ministry of Justice, you should at least be like firing some shots from your window. (laughs) Like you should be sending a team of superheroes out of the Ministry of Justice. Yeah. You think Flavio is armed? He's in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, of course he's armed. That's one of the things Bolsonaro did while he was in office. That he is... made gun ownership super duper popular yeah. among his supporters, which, God, that would have to be uncomfortable to watch unfold yeah, if you're I... in the opposing party. I can't imagine what it would be like to see people promote gun culture. I know. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, but in this case, it's just on one side. But yeah. Hey, same yeah, thing here. Same. Essentially. Oh, man. So Roca denied colluding with the rioters and fired his security minister to prove it. Sure. But people remain unconvinced. <laughs> yeah. A senior advisor to Lula speaking to the Washington Post said, I cannot say what the governor did to increase security, but he was complicit. That was part of this attempted coup. Also, just like the U.S. coup attempt, it seems like there wasn't, like I said, much of a plan in place. Yeah. Once the rioters got inside the building. I mean, yeah, what's the plan going to be without a major armed force to actually install a new government? <laughs> and I am surprised there weren't more guns because we talked about that on the yeah. previous episode. There was the guy who was arrested for trying to plant a bomb at, I think it was Sao Paulo mm. Airport in brazil Mm. and one of his whole things was look i spent my life savings buying guns because bolsonaro said buy guns and we're gonna need them soon and why didn't they bring those guns to this riot yeah i don't know i mean my only guess would be that they kind of were putting all their chips on the military providing that part of it Yeah, we have a quote here in the notes from Anna Julia Bonzanini Bernardi, a professor in Sao Paulo. Many of these people were camped out at military headquarters for weeks and thought that by entering these buildings, they would force some kind of response. I think a lot of them really thought the military was going to take over. Yeah, which is not an irrational thought. No, not in this case. And so I also feel like the response from the Brazilian government has been a little more heavy handed than what has happened Mm -hmm. here. And that's understandable to some extent, but we'll get into it more at the end of the episode. But in the days after the riot, the Lula administration arrested like around 1,500 people. But one of the most shocking moves in response wasn't an arrest, but the 
firing of the head of the Brazilian military, General Julio Cesar de Arruda. He had had that job since late December. <laughs> so I think that's one of the things that makes it a little less shocking. Yeah. Like if this had been a longtime head of the Brazilian military. Sure, yeah. And then he got fired. I could see the military in that case being like, all right. <laughs> Maybe we will overthrow you then. Right. But yeah, this guy had had the job since December. And it seems like it all stemmed from Lula ordering him to fire someone else. And the guy was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And he was like, all right, you're both fired. (laughs) Fair. Which, yeah, that's almost like drug dealer rules. You can't let people see you be that weak in that moment. No. Like, there's no way he couldn't I mean, fire if, that guy for ignoring that order. I mean, if it's anything like the U.S., and I don't know if it is because I'm still a novice, you know, to this culture, but, like, the president's the commander of the armed forces. So you've got to, like, and, you know, I don't like the military, but I know that you got to fucking have discipline in that shit. Like, that's yeah. the whole thing. And Aruda is also alleged to have stopped police from detaining suspected rioters, took refuge at an encampment outside Brasilia's army headquarters on the night of the attack. And like, yeah, that'll do it too. Yeah. Like if (laughs) you're in charge. That also sounds like America, though. It sure does. And that move is alleged to have allowed for the escape of scores of rioters. Oh, you don't say. That's awesome. I'm so glad that this guy had the job of head of the fucking military for three weeks or whatever the fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Like even that short amount of time he had it is terrifying. Jesus. And this is a quote from Lula himself. Many people were complicit in this. Many people in the military police were complicit. There were many people in the armed forces here inside who were complicit. Yeah. That's got to be mildly terrifying. Yeah. Because then you just got to hope you get them all. I mean, it's not like Lula, he knows what his standing is with these people. (laughs) He's not an idiot. Yeah. And in addition to the head of the military, at least 80 other military officials have been arrested. Brazilian authorities also issued arrest warrants for two other government security officials, one of them being Anderson Torres, the man who was effectively in charge of security for the Capitol. He has taken a whole lot of blame in the wake of the riots. He was Bolsonaro's justice minister Mm -hmm. before becoming the security chief of the federal district where the attacks happened. Yeah this part classic (laughs) upon taking the job he immediately fired a bunch of key figures in the department and then left for florida for (laughs) vacation which is where he was when this all happened and it's like oh yeah you didn't have anything to do with this right absolutely i like that he fucked off to fucking florida (laughs) i think bolsonaro's still there it's just like for the american politicians to hide too it's where American politicians go to hide. It's where a lot of the like business types who were in control of Venezuela before Chavez sure. took over, a lot of them ended up in Florida and especially Miami. Yeah. That's why areas like that are always a little more conservative than you expect them to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Retirees fucking vote. Absolutely. And they vote based on... How the president feels about the leader of the country they fled. (laughs) That happens more than you fucking think. And they don't always get it right. Like people who support Trump because of his stance on China. It's backwards. Right. Like Obama and Biden have been way fucking stronger on China. Yeah. But that's a whole other episode. So as we mentioned earlier, it's also alleged that the security detail he promised the Lula administration was far more robust than what he actually provided on that day. And yeah, they haven't explained that, which that requires an explanation. Yes, (laughs) I think that's fair. And everybody was sick. COVID. Along those same lines, if you look into, say, the United States and Malcolm X, just as an example, dig into that story and look at the police presence on the day he was killed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about a nation of Islam meeting that happened in a major city with a huge police presence. Normally, there'd be a ton of cops there. (laughs) And this time, there were two. Yeah. Along with like 10 undercover FBI agents Mm -hmm. in the room who were not there to protect and serve. No? 
No, if you can believe it, they didn't do much to the intervene. The Federal Bureau of Investigation? Yeah, they didn't do much to stop the killing of that civil rights leader. Wow. Despite what they had on the sign. Right, when their, I their the... longtime interest in civil rights. Yeah. Oh, shocking. Never going to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so not only has Torres not given an explanation for why he provided the security force he did, his ties to Bolsonaro are just a little too cozy. Oh, Justice Minister? Yeah. <laughs> he famously appeared alongside Bolsonaro for the entirety of a two-hour live stream Yeah, where the two of them demonstrated how voting machines could be hacked. It was all debunked, and people who could actually hack voting machines replied and were like, no, <laughs> this isn't accurate. But it's one of the things that got this whole ball rolling. And so an arrest warrant was also issued for the aforementioned governor of Brasilia, Ibanez Roca, mm -hmm. who had already been suspended from his job. There was also a request to freeze Bolsonaro's assets, but it wasn't immediately clear if that's going to work. Because right. that's a very long process. Yeah, I have to imagine that there is a lot that goes into something like that. Yeah. And they aren't sure why. They're saying yeah. to freeze Bolsonaro's assets because there isn't a ton of evidence that he like inspired no. these riots. But I mean, it could also just be punitive, you know, just like, man, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly. And you know what? That's fair. I think Bolsonaro deserves a healthy fuck. You. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fuck him for sure. I think the part about who's financing this is. Mm hmm. Interesting, but also completely predictable. Sure. If this was a movie, you would want it to be like a fucking evil spirit in the woods yeah. or something. And then now it's just fucking angry rich people. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> if you can believe it. Yeah. Like I said earlier, this wasn't a thing that just happened. It wasn't a spur of the moment thing. People right. camped out for weeks. They got on buses to travel there. And these are presumably people with jobs and bills and yeah, things. Some of them. Who, you know, probably can't immediately afford something like that. Yeah. And if they can, they can't necessarily afford to take the time off work. So it's pretty clear there was a lot of money behind this. Yeah. And the question after who did this became who financed it. Right. And so the first action that the government took in that regard happened just a few days after the riots when authorities asked a federal court to block 1.3 million in assets belonging to 52 people and seven companies alleged to have helped fund the buses that carried the rioters to their eventual destination. I guess that's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't you have to be able to prove that they knew they were sending them there for the purpose of carrying out a riot. Probably, but there's no way that's that difficult. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I not. mean, like, especially if they're as online as other conservatives. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing that you are seeing here, too, where a lot of these prosecutions and things are based on social media posts. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine the hell that is being on one of those buses. Oh, yeah, it would be the worst. There are very few environments that i can think of that would be more hostile oh yeah yeah that would be bad times no fun no fun at all God. probably worse for you than it would be well, for me sure yeah i wasn't even <laughs> thinking about that i was just thinking of like oh god can you imagine like they're all singing like they're terrible right yeah song parodies or whatever waving the brazilian flag around it like in that documentary, you saw their like memes <laughs> and like in jokes, and it's all the same corny shit that we get here. Remember the Lady Gaga thing? Yeah. It's... Where they thought Lady Gaga was an employee of the criminal court at The Hague. Which yeah, that was weird. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> so the companies who had their assets frozen or sure. that they asked the court to block, they're mostly transportation firms and small businesses based in the southern and southeastern regions of the country, along with a small agribusiness union and a small timber company, hmm. both 
from the South, agribusiness. That is the sector that people are really focusing on here yeah. as being like the people who did it. Sure. And if you're listening here in the greatest country on earth, mm. being blessed by God with the greatest podcast on earth, are you, you might talking hear- about America? Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking about the United States. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> You might hear, oh, the agribusiness sector, right. like a bunch of farmers. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also sometimes farmers are fucking rich. Yeah, think about farmers who feed the fucking world, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of the examples, I'm going to link to an article called How Brazilian Agribusiness Became a Vector for Putschism. Which, that's not a good term, (laughs) I promise you, even if you don't know what it means. It's written by Amanda Audi, writing for an outlet called The Brazilian Report. All the facts and stats that I'm going to cite here come from that article. And unless you want to subscribe to The Brazilian Report, you're just going to have to take my word for it. (laughs) Because you cannot read this article for free. But also it costs like a dollar for the first month. So give it a read. It's actually very interesting because that was my question. Like, why does the agribusiness sector love Bolsonaro so much? And it comes down to regulations. Yeah. Which same reason businesses love Trump. Exactly. Because when Bolsonaro took office, he enacted 57 different legislative measures to roll back different conservation efforts, environmental protections. And again, we're talking about Brazil, which is... It's got some important stuff to protect. Home to most of the Amazon rainforest. It's one of the most important and diverse habitats on the planet. Yes. And Bolsonaro was lucky enough to have been born there and wants to raise it to the fucking ground. Yeah. He wants to burn that fucking thing. It's sickening. To the ground. He wants he's to got do- such a hard on for missiles. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And so deforestation under Bolsonaro increased by nearly 60% when he was in office. And, you know, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's cutting down the Amazon rainforest. Yeah, basically. So people can either sell the timber or develop the land or both. So fucked up. And Lula promised to put those protections back in place if he retook office. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how it started. From that point on, the agribusiness sector specifically the people who were making money off of deforestation got really invested in Bolsonaro. And from there, it becomes like a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Like, were they Nazis going in? Right. Or did they go into the Bolsonaro camp on this one issue and then come out the other end? Oh, also, we hate all gay people. (laughs) Jesus, just because you want to cut down the jungle? It all kind of goes together. Yeah. That's the thing. It just snowballs from there. Yeah. It's predictable and sad. Yeah. And it's really disheartening that these people even exist. (laughs) For sure. Literally the villains from the Avatar movies. (laughs) And their team up has been pretty successful. They are heavily invested in Bolsonaro financially. Yeah. Most of his campaign donations came from the agribusiness sector, including the largest individual donor being a man who, again, if you're at home thinking, oh, a bunch of fucking farmers, his largest donor was a man who owns farmland that, if combined, would be equivalent to the area of Austin, Texas. Jesus. So that guy is raking in some fucking coin. Yeah. And And I'm sure all of his laborers are well paid. Oh, yeah. All well-paid laborers. And I'm sure none of that farmland is like former Amazon forest. They were also the agribusiness sector was instrumental in that effort to spread the idea of going to Brasilia on January 8th. Mm -hmm online. The Brazil Green and Yellow Movement, which if you just wrote that on a piece of paper and slid it across the table to me, I'd be like, oh, what kind of good are they getting up to? (laughs) They sound like a good outfit, not realizing like green and yellow are the colors of the flag. Right. Getting a little nationalist. Right, exactly. (laughs) They are a coalition of more than 300 rural producers associations. They called on protesters to, quote, take power 
in a social media post cool. that they later deleted. So it's gone. So there's no proof. No proof whatsoever. Yeah, no, that's gone forever. Yeah, no one's ever seen it since. <laughs> and also, there's a bunch of Telegram and WhatsApp groups that are dedicated to like agriculture yeah. and agriculture jobs. Sounds fun. Yeah, exactly the kind of thing you get on social media for. <laughs> Find out about hog futures and shit. And those groups were really active also in pushing the idea that people should go, at least just go. Just yeah. go and see what happens yeah, on January 8th. We're not saying what you should do. One recent report showed that farmers from the south of Para State, one of the Amazon regions where deforestation is increasing the fastest, were spending their own money and setting up crowdfunding campaigns to pay for the buses that sent rioters to Brasilia. Cool. And it's like all because you want to fucking burn down the rainforest. Yeah. And turn them into parking lots or whatever the hell is going to happen there. Apparently, gold miners are way sure. into Bolsonaro. Yeah. So probably for well, look, the same reason. And again, what a great industry that's never produced any of the most toxic workplaces on the planet. <laughs> no. Mining in general, I think, is usually pretty God. cool. Ah, it really bums me the fuck out that these people exist. <laughs> it's one of those things where this can really easily send me into a real existential despair. Yeah. Because of how much these people fucking hate the planet. Yes. And like, I'm no fucking nature person or whatever, you know, like, I don't go hiking or whatever. But like, I like green things. And it's nice that we have it. Yes. It's nice that it produces like 60% of the world's oxygen or whatever the fuck the number is. And I feel like in every case, it's just a thing where the view has to be, well, I'll be dead before all the bad yeah. stuff starts. Either Absolutely. that or one thing. I feel like they should just leave this out when they're talking about the dangers of global warming. But how many times have you heard, oh, poor people in really impoverished countries are going to get it the worst? Yeah. And it's like, don't tell these rich fucks that. Well, this is the thing, like, you but know. They know also. Yeah, exactly. They know they're happy about it. But like, right. you know, there are actually people who might care about that and think it's bad. Yeah, it's really depressing overall. Another weird similarity here. I mean, not weird, but... If you can believe it, these people do represent kind of a minority or like a fringe sure. group in Brazil, even among the agriculture sector. Yeah. Well, because it's not sustainable. And any right. smart business owner would realize that regulations are trying to also make the industry more sustainable. Right. This is a quote from Environment Minister Marina Silva at the World Economic Forum. The vast majority of agribusiness supports stricter environmental policies. Mr. Bolsonaro's more relaxed policy was aimed more at an audience that operates illegally. The bulk of agribusiness is concerned with improving the country's image abroad in order to export more in the future. Mm -hmm. And today, the deforestation of the Amazon, which Jair Bolsonaro facilitated, is the greatest damage to the country's reputation. Yeah. I would agree with that. That's true. It's absolutely true. Like, the world needs that. Yes. Don't fucking burn it down. We like it, and we're sorry that we started burning it down. We didn't mean to. <laughs> well, we did, but we take it back. Right. Yeah, stop. Now, please. <laughs> so, there is an obvious debate here. Sure. And I'll link to an article about it. It all centers around a guy named Alexander de Moraes, who I think might have come up on some of the previous episodes, but yeah. he is a Brazilian Supreme Court justice, and he's the guy who's been kind of tasked with dealing with this. He's, he's uh, I forgot the star of Munich. I forgot what was his first name. Eric Bana? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's the Eric Bana of this. Sure. He's been tasked with dealing with the perpetrators of this, and he's not always being cool about it. Right. Which is the debate that has 
come up. And it's kind of been a debate here, but not as much. No. Well, again, like Americans are coming from a very different, I think, mindset, even though we're reaching a lot of the same points. Yeah. There's not the same history. But yeah, it's an interesting problem. Yeah. So this guy, Alexander DeMorris, looks like a movie villain. Yeah. But in this case, he's the good guy. <laughs> Maybe? Yeah, like an anti-hero. Yeah. Like, there's one half of the country, and this is exactly what you would see in the United States. Right. Like, there's absolutely no difference. One half of the country that definitely praises him as a hero for all he has done to put down the right-wing mm -hmm. threat. But things he's done include stuff like jailing people without trial mm -hmm. for posting threats on social media. He helped sentence a sitting congressman to nine years in prison for threatening the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. He has kind of, we talked about this on the last episode, he's kind of granted himself the power to just delete, censor, block any social media accounts, any social media posts that he sees Fit. And that's with like no real room for appeal, yeah. no real transparency in why it happened. Mm -hmm. And that does set up an obvious argument, which is like, well, okay, you're doing that in response to the right wingers, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to like turn that switch off when you've put this threat down or when you're done investigating this. Right. You're not going to like turn that on leftists later. And it's like, of course they will. I mean, they might or they might not. I mean, it's a question, but like it is a thing I think it's very difficult to wrestle with because pretty much the only proven way to stop fascism is to completely eradicate it on the cellular level, basically. Yeah. You silence and shut down as far as you can this sort of thing and stop people from organizing and like some of the better Godzilla movies, they center around like the idea of in order to defeat a monster, you have to become like you might end up throwing away your humanity. And I do think that that is the quandary that you run into when you're trying to squash a right wing movement is there's really only one way to do it. Yeah, it's also a huge quandary in that we're talking about a government that has been leaning a little more and more right wing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had Bolsonaro in office right. for a few years. So that's about as right wing as it gets. Yeah. And politics in Brazil seem to move so fast. Like, there's no guarantee Lula's even going to see the end For sure. of his term. Any number of things Absolutely. could happen. And especially in a place like Brazil, I'd say to a less extent in the United States, but especially in a place like Brazil, you put something like this in place, that government could flip overnight and now they have it in place. Yeah. And now they're the ones who are like, no. Absolutely. It's you fucking communists who are trying to put your fucking drag shows in our schools yeah. who are the real problem and now we're gonna fucking crack down on your posts and it's like what do you fucking do i don't know like, i mean this is do you do that's the question i truly don't have an answer to this because i don't know that there is a right answer in this situation because the other thing is yeah you can ask well are you gonna like turn that ability off once you don't sure. need it anymore and it's like these right wingers aren't going anywhere for a long long time no and like with the way that these movements work now again like the last not the last time but you know i'm thinking about italy in world war ii and germany to along the same lines like these were places where these ideologies had to be forcefully destroyed and there were a lot of repressive tactics used and I don't know that the way that the information spreads now, if that would actually work even. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you could be as repressive as you possibly can be and stomp it out as much as you're physically able. I don't know that that's ever going to be enough because even 40s fascism is alive and well. Yeah. It never really went away. So I have no idea. Like, it's an impossible question. When you put stuff like this in place and don't specifically say it's for right-wingers or yeah. it's for fascism or right. Nazis, 
let's say something like this. I mean, this has happened in the United States to an extent, sure. but it's more like individual platforms banning people and then they just move on to. Well, a I mean, it's it's happened on the government level as well. It's just been a very big deal every time. Like I'm thinking of like the uh, HUAC and like those sorts of efforts. So it's definitely happened. Just not quite to the same extent. And that would lead to my other concern with a situation like this. Because, yeah, let's say the American government started going to this extent mm. against right-wingers in the United States. I mean, it's never going to happen. But let's just yeah, say sure. if yeah. they did, <laughs> there would be a lot of people, Democrats, liberals, who would support that. Yeah. Obviously. Absolutely. And my concern... And what I would say to people who would like to vocally support that, don't discount that the American government could have more than one enemy yeah. at a time. And they could be doing that to right wingers, but then let another really high profile well, police shooting happen. This is, And then that turns into protest. No, for sure. And then the government starts doing it to them Absolutely. too. It's going to be really hard to put your hands well, up and be like, no. No. I mean, again, this is why it's such a hard thing, because what you really need to stop the problem of right wing fascism is an extremely strong and capable left wing government doing everything it can to alleviate the conditions that push people into extremist views. Yeah. And unfortunately, that that has never happened, except like. FDR is like the closest we've ever gotten. And he was like a rich guy. Like, yeah. So we have never had that sort of thing where the left wing has enough power to materially change the conditions that people face that lead them to these groups that will prey on them. Right. And that's the only way that I could think of that would come close to stopping. And even that would only blunt it as a populist. Tool. It would. Yeah. You want to switch populism back to the left is the thing. You need to capture people in that way. But, you know, just like after 9-11, like it makes sense that people are, they're scared and they want to be punitive but unfortunately that instinct like with the patriot act can really bite you yeah it's a complex situation yeah and like it's not like having the talk doesn't mean you're siding with the nazis don't let anyone tell you that's the case it's just you gotta fucking those are questions that are worth asking absolutely because an initiative like this could go sideways yeah. really quick it's the same thing with covid surveillance sure where the government was like hey you want us to watch your phone and then watch all the phones around you and we'll tell you if someone you know got COVID? Yeah. And it's like, okay, are you going to like stop doing that later? And they're like, no, probably not. <laughs> probably use it for police shit after that. But still, <laughs> you know, COVID's a thing and you need protected from yeah. it. And that's always a thing we see is in response to a threat, people will give a little bit more yeah. of their freedoms away. And, and sometimes that's the safe bet and sometimes – yeah. It's not, but it's a gamble. Yeah. And it depends on what you're talking. Like, yeah. fucking, if you're talking about wearing a helmet when you ride right. a fucking motorcycle, fuck you if you're right. mad about that. Same with, like, lockdown and, and all that stuff. Yeah. This is different than, yeah. It's it's really messy. It's a really complicated, like, I really don't know if there's an, a correct answer other than helping people, which is always the right answer. Depending on what side you're well, on, help, obviously. I mean, help anybody. Everybody needs help. Even, no, I mean, there, are, there's, there is one side that would say that's not the answer. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely true. <laughs> no, no, you don't not help people because of the side they're on. And I think the best example of that is Unless they're, like, doing actual harm. To, like, obviously, there are exceptions, but... Well, like, we did an episode about the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a bunch of fucking Trump supporters, but god damn, they oh, are getting absolutely. fucked by the government. I mean, and it has way broader implications than just those it people. It <laughs> does, and what makes me so mad is the right-wingers aren't wrong. Those people are getting fucked over by the government, but not even remotely in the way they're saying. I mean... And it's... So much worse this than is, what they're saying. Absolutely. I mean, this is what I'm saying about flipping like populists. I know we're on a tangent, but Republicans are absolutely part of what's happening to the people in East of Palestine. Of course they are. Like, they are the fucking diversion that's going to keep people from asking the real question, which 
Listen to the pretty scary episode about it. It involves dioxins. It's very bad. Wow. Should have been a conspiracy episode, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it probably still could be. Yeah, might as well. Because the I thing mean, that thing is going to, there's going to be developments on that. Well, one thing that's not getting reported on a ton in the U.S. media about it is one of the concerns was that the fire, the controlled burn, was going to disperse dioxins, which cause cancer and all kinds of other heinous diseases. It was going to spread dioxin. And there's this weird thing that happened in 2010 where the EPA wanted to lower the threshold at which dioxins in soil are considered a thing that they act on. Mm -hmm. And Obama shot them down. And so the threshold stayed where it was. Thanks, Obama. And the disparity between that threshold is terrifying. Yeah. Because it's a thousand parts per trillion. The EPA wanted it lowered to 72 parts per trillion. And the soil samples that The Guardian looked at, 700 parts per trillion. So according to the official government threshold, that soil is safe. But according to what the EPA wanted that threshold to be in 2010, it's 10 times it is 10 times worse. And there's states where it's a state level thing. California, it's 50 parts per trillion. Mm -hmm. Michigan, it's 90. So if that happened in either of those states, someone would be acting and people would probably have to move. But instead, those people are just going to fucking live there with cancer-causing chemicals in their soil. And who knows what is getting put into the Ohio River. Like, who, who fucking knows? It'll take a while for us to fully understand. So this is still a developing story. Even though we've already invested two episodes worth of time into it, this is still ongoing. Sure. One of the most recent updates is that Jair Bolsonaro has vowed to return to Brazil sometime this month, March, to be, quote, the national leader of the right. (gasps) He's so high on himself. It's disgusting. And we'll link to an Economist article about this. One, they point out there's a lot of pitfalls for him if he decides to do that. Most of them involving the dozens of investigations into his various criminal activities. Sure. Any of which that could potentially send him to jail, cost him a bunch of money. I'd probably just stay in Florida. Yeah, I'd stay in the United States. (laughs) I'd stay on the Gulf side. Yeah, I'd go to like Hilton Head or something. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, no, that's Atlantic, though. Oh, oh, no. No, I'd stay on the side he's on. Yeah. You know? The Gulf is just nicer. Yeah, I suppose. It's a good beach, anyway. Anyway, more like Beachinaro. Wow. Thank you. Got him. But- The Economist also points out Bolsonaro is still shockingly popular. Yeah. And weirdly, in a huge departure from Trump, he is the most popular with young people. Yeah. And that, I would argue, is pretty scary for the future of Brazilian politics. In one recent poll, 57% of 16 to 24-year-olds said they would vote for Bolsonaro if an election was happening that week. That is the highest share of any age group in the poll. So it's not just that young people like him. Young people like him the most. Yeah. Which is shocking. I guess, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Hopefully that's a sample thing. (laughs) Maybe it's just that sample population. Yeah. I don't know. That sucks. Well, there was another poll Mm. that showed nearly 40% of Brazilians think Lula did not win the election, and that belief was shared most strongly among 25 to 34-year-olds. Dummies, what the hell? (laughs) And he's also just way better on social media than Lula. Like, it's almost like a Trump versus Biden thing. Yeah, very Trumpy. When it comes to social media. He's got 65 million followers. Yeah. Lula has 31 million. I mean, yeah, it's all very disheartening. 25 to 30 year olds, what the fuck are you doing? 34 year olds, come on guys, be better. And he's still got all that support from the agribusiness sector that he had before. And the economy has kind of tanked under Lula. Yeah. Which, not necessarily his fault, but also it kind of, like there was a boom after COVID. Sure. Even if it's not his fault, it is something that people can use. Right. And so 
if it comes down to a future election, and I think you're right, that's probably why the military wouldn't get involved. Yeah. Because it's not like Lula fucking mopped the floor with Bolsonaro. No. Like, and he, he's already gotten arrested once. Yeah. So it's no guarantee that margin he won by is going to hold no. next time around. His best chance of staying in power might be that Bolsonaro comes back and either goes to jail or is banned from holding office. It would be interesting. I mean, again, the Trump parallels. Would, Very interesting would be parallels. Interesting. Surely, if anything happens, even if anything doesn't happen with that stuff, I think we should do an episode on the whole Trump indictment thing. Oh, yeah. Because, like, if it happens or if it doesn't happen, there's something weird that's going on. Yeah, there's a lot to dig into. Yeah, we'll do an episode about that. But if any of his crimes are going to keep him from returning to office, Bolsonaro, that is, I hope it's something insane, like the Saudi jewelry scandal <laughs> that we will end by talking about, because it actually seems like the least alarming thing sure. Jair Bolsonaro has done. Yeah. And that's not taking into account just fucking being friends with Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's not a great sign. No, no. So in October 2021, Brazilian customs agents found a diamond necklace matching earrings, a watch, and a ring in the backpack of a government aide traveling with the country's then energy minister. Value of the jewelry in question, $3.2 million. <laughs> that is a lot. It's a lot of jewelry. And the jewels were reportedly a gift from the Saudi government to Michelle Bolsonaro, sure. the wife of Jair Bolsonaro. Jewelry has been held by customs ever since, and the government is investigating whether the former president broke the law yeah. trying to bring them into the country without declaring. Money could be the thing that keeps Jair Bolsonaro yeah. out of Brazil, because he was supposed to pay some hefty taxes right. to bring something like this into the country from out of the country. Hmm. This is essentially tax evasion. Sure. And yeah. I mean, that's how we got Al Capone. I mean, but like, I don't know. I mean, for one thing, it is definitely how we got Al Capone and like this might do damage, but it's just like, I don't understand how if you're a rich person and you're doing rich people stuff like getting three million bucks worth of jewelry from somebody, you don't have any way of getting that in without worrying about customs and taxes and shit. You can't figure that shit out. You got to just put it in your carry on or whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, no, you give it to <laughs> your lackey, the aide of the energy minister. Right. But I'm just saying like getting like put it in your fucking yeah. offshore bank account or whatever. You can't put it in his asshole. <laughs> Or something? Have him <laughs> smuggle it in like heroin? Sure. Maybe he could just wear it. And then just be like, this is just mine. I wear it. Yeah. That's what I would do. Oh, this is fake. Prove it's not. Right. They, they probably would, would. They would literally just seize it. Yeah. And prove that it was real and well, keep it. I don't know. It's just, and also like, you're also a corrupt government official. You can't fucking make this work like who's your enemy in the customs department <laughs> yeah it feels like a little bit of a targeted thing yeah but also i love this part bolsonaro claims he never intended to keep the jewels this is a quote i'm getting crucified for a present i never received i've never abused my authority <laughs> but then in the same press conference he did concede that there is a second case containing a watch a ring cufflinks, a rosary, and a pen, and that was all valued at $75,000. Right. And that did get past customs. Well, that's fucking bullshit. That's cheap. <laughs> that's chump change. And he kept all that, but he didn't intend to keep this. He was going to let the yeah. aid to the energy minister keep it. Sure you were. That sounds about right. And yeah, the tax money he would owe on this alone might be i don't know it seems like he's got to have more money than that though right i don't know yeah probably or connections with money i just imagine in my mind all sufficiently fascist politicians just have access to loads of money yeah because you're a good mouthpiece <laughs> yeah i'd be surprised if he doesn't yeah and yeah i don't know maybe saudi arabia set him up maybe Maybe, I don't know, I don't think Maybe he's, gonna... he's just really bad at this. I could see Lula or the Supreme Court, which, woof, 
This episode's already pretty long, so I didn't put it in the notes. But there's a Wall Street Journal editorial about the Lula government. Mm -hmm. They take a very different approach uh -huh. to talking about Brazilian politics. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal has a slightly different yeah. slant than us. Huh? You can Their imagine they page. are. They are not fans of the Brazilian <gasps> Supreme Court whatsoever. Oh, and they and they are not a big fan of left wing politician Lula. No, if you can believe it. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. It's a thing that is still worth mm -hmm. keeping tabs on. Absolutely. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like similar with our own situation. It's hard to know what to do and, you know, what's going to happen because all of the tried and true things, you know, we've tried nothing and everything, nothing worked. So, right. And we're all out of ideas. What was it? The Simpsons quote? We tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. That's Yeah, that pretty much describes it. Yeah. And... We'll see how things develop with Brazilian politics. This I always say we'll keep tabs on this story, and I never mean it. But yeah. I got that subscription to the Brazilian report now. So Well, there you go. You got to use it. I'll be getting my doors beat down mm -hmm. with Lula and Bolsonaro news. Yeah. And yeah, even if Bolsonaro never goes back to Brazil, that's not going to fix the problem. No. Like if Trump disappeared tomorrow, that's not gonna fix the problem like who is brazil's ron DeSantis gonna be yeah like that i think guy. that is bolsonaro basically yeah a little bit it does kind of seem like that but uh yeah we'll keep you updated everybody in the meantime i think that's our episode olivia do you have anything to plug before we get out of here well, we just finished season one of Going Back, our Lost Rewatch podcast. We did. Uh, so that should be public. Soon. Uh, Not soon. yet. Not yet, but eventually. You'll know when it At is. At some I'll point. I'm everybody. addressing the people of the future. Sure. People of the future, it's probably out. And uh, we'll be starting season two. And other than that, I guess you can find me on Twitter, but I don't really do it. So, um, adamtoddbrown.substack.com. Now that my face is getting closer to being healed i'll be back to writing soon and uh you know i'm gonna try and do more episodes of the conspiracy pod going forward so be on the lookout for more bonus episodes and nice. things and uh beyond that i think that's it let's get the fuck out of here olivia say goodbye bye goodbye everybody we love you people of earth your planet is about to be destroyed